Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? It's Dylan Godino from LaughSpin.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the LaughSpin podcast. If you are not a subscriber to the LaughSpin podcast, please head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and subscribe. We really do appreciate it. And if you are are already a subscriber, uh, leave a review on one of those sites, uh, preferably iTunes. This week on the Laugh Spin Podcast, we have comedian Jim Norton. He's got a brand new special, one-hour special called Contextually Inadequate. It is going to premiere Friday, April 24th on Epics at 10 p.m. If you are listening to this before it airs, you're welcome. I just gave you something to do on Friday. If you are listening to this after... The premiere, then I'm sure Epics is going to be playing it again and again, and you should definitely check it out. I've already watched it. It is excellent. It meant a lot for me to, to sit down with, with Jim Norton. I've talked to him many times before, but it's always a treat to talk to Jim. He, uh, you know, along with a handful of other comedians, he's sort of the reason why I, you know, I started covering comedy 10 years ago. Just he's the reason, along with, you know, comedians like Greg Giraldo and David Tell and Doug Stanhope and Mark Marin and just Nick DePaul. Like all those great comics, um, you know, a part of the reason I even give a shit about comedy now, uh, the reason why I wanted to delve into comedy and sort of start to analyze it and and cover it the way really nobody else was covering it. Um, so what did we talk about it? We talked about a lot of things. We got personal because how can you not get personal with Jim Norton? We talked about some of the topics on a special, which, you know, I think we can relate to a lot of stuff about just living in the digital age and social media and how that affects everybody uh, and how that affects the attitudes of people and the media. All very good stuff. I hope you find it as fun and entertaining as uh, I found it talking to Jim. And uh, I'm going to shut my mouth now. Here we go. Great. Well, hey, Jim Norton. Hi, buddy. How you doing? Um, a little tired, but okay. Thank you for the uh, uh, for the espresso. You're welcome. I'm trying to be a good host. This is yeah. This is nice. Yeah, I have no milk for the espresso. That's all right. But uh, this is about as good as it gets from Jim Norton. This is nice. And I saw your stash of what is it? Hot can? What is it? Hot cans. Yes, the ones I've been um, advertising. <laughs> Yes, I have a whole drawer full. You really do? I do. Yeah, people think I'm just whoring it for the money. I don't get paid for that. Have they contacted you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't get like physical money for it. Oh, that's too bad. And, you've, and you've, you have tasted them? Oh, yeah. I drank a lot of them. My manager turned me on to them. Even before I was doing this, like, you know, a couple of years ago, I tried the coffee and the soups and everything. It was cool. <laughs> Good, good. Well, Jim, uh, I mean, part of why we're we're talking. Thank you for welcoming me into your home. Oh, you're welcome. Once again, it's it smells delightful. What? What? Thank you. It's all candles. It's all candles. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't smoke, so there's no smoking, and and uh, I love candles. I'm like a real queen with candles. Yeah, I like a good smell. Yeah. So I'm kind of used to it. But a lot of times, I'll just hang out and light a few candles. Sure. Uh -huh. I don't take a bath or anything. I don't want you to think I'm fucking completely lost any attachment to my masculinity, but I just, I love a good candle. Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, Jim, you have this, uh, you have a new special out uh, on Epics, and uh, this is, you've been working with Epics for a while. This yeah. Is, what is this? Number Number three, three right? about uh, a, little, a little over three years. Yeah. So I like what Epics is doing. Uh, they're they're putting out. They're working with a lot of good comics. Yeah, I mean, they did this year. They're doing Lisa, myself, and um, Brewer. Brewer, yeah. So and they've done stuff with uh, Kevin Smith. Louis has done one for them. I think Kevin Hart did one for them. Um, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think he did. Oh, no, no, it was the same producer I used. But uh, they've used a lot of good comedians. Yeah, yeah, they're doing it was black. Yeah, that's right. And speaking, you know, I, I, after watching uh, the, uh, you know, the uh, press copy of, of your special, it reminds me, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of Lewis Black, not in the, not in the content so right. much, but your specials, the, the last few of them, this is just my observation. I feel like they're, they're sort of, they're time capsules. Yeah. They're very, for specials, they're very topical. Yeah. Like you do, uh, you know, spoiler alert alert uh the first chunk is on cosby yeah and you talk about joan rivers and 
everything is very topical, which, um, you know, a lot of times specials are more, uh, you know, comedians are concerned with, you know, it being more evergreen. Right. So, I mean, was that was was is that like a a concern of yours or not at all no it's funny a lot of fans don't like that you can't please people like if you say like I, yeah some fans go well it's too topical and other guys if you are really dirty like what well, it's all tranny jokes and sex too. yeah so i just kind of do what i want to do and it is a time capsule you know and uh you know like you look at carlin or Pryor or any of the greats even if Okay, some of the uh, material is evergreen, but they also did a lot of topical stuff. Sure. Talking about, you know, Carlin would talk about Reagan or, uh, you know, Pryor's references were what was happening culturally then. Go back to Lenny Bruce. The way he spoke was a lot different. Yeah. So even though mine is maybe, you know, has much shorter of a shelf life, I don't care because I can still watch something that's 10 years old. And even though they're talking about local stuff of the day, the jokes are still about things that people can relate to. Like if I talk about Wiener, I'm really talking about our views on privacy and the phone scandal or Donald Sterling. I try to make it funny. Right. Um, and I talk about our views on privacy and people getting in trouble for what they say. And I think the topic itself is fairly evergreen. Right, right. The vehicles you use are topical, but yeah, I mean, that that's just the peg to get you into talking about social media. Only, and privacy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Dylan. The, no, the, okay. only, the only thing you have to be careful when you're doing stuff like that is if you're going to talk about something, you have to do stuff. You have to explain it like... Uh, where people hearing it 10 years from now will know what you're talking about. You can't talk about it in a way that you had to see the evening news last night. Right. You have to be able to explain it in a way. Because I notice when I start doing topical stuff, I'll reference something and it will get huge laughs. Then two weeks, that part doesn't get big laughs anymore because right. it doesn't resonate. Right. The subject does, but that moment doesn't resonate. So you have to kind of paint it in a way where it will still hold up in a year. Right, right. And that's... I try to. Yeah. And I, you definitely, you did a really good job of that uh, when you're you're talking about Anthony because uh, you start talking about Anthony during the special and then you kind of back up a little bit and say oh by the way if you you know this is what happened and you sure. give like a very 30 like a 30 second summary of, of, of things that went yeah, down yeah about him having the camera and how yeah. it was this and that and I explain it for someone who might not be an Opie and Anthony fan yeah and at that I actually I, I appreciated that because uh, you gave a lot of context that either I didn't know or I knew for a second and then forgot. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I, I think I think that's 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 valuable. Well, Anthony kind of shaped the special without meaning to like because I, I started talking about him. I had the material ready to shoot like, you know, around the summer, um, most of it. And then Anthony happened and I started talking about it Yeah, and it became like an important part of my act. And I, cause I knew in front of our fans, I had to, I'd be a fraud if I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't going to pretend it didn't happen. And it was a jumping off place for kind of, I used Jonah Hill as the original jumping yep. off, but the, 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 the getting in trouble era. And I gave, I, I thought a good example with Anthony of how they reported on, it's what you say and not what you do which is just the opposite of how I was raised and you know it's like Anthony's my friend and um, the best way I could stick up for him besides obviously saying stuff I've said is to do it in my act and do it like you know on stage yeah yeah no I mean it's uh, it it did Uh, you know now that you say that that really kind of influenced uh, this this new hour I could I could see it because I mean you bring up a lot of uh, a lot of things um, the privacy, the social media. You said one thing. I took a note when you said it. We're losing the ability to pause uh, is something you say in the special, which I think could just su- sums up the entire special. But uh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? I think when I did that, I was talking about texting and how you get in trouble texting. And in most interactions, we get we get. Uh, we, we, we have we can think it through or when you write in uh, everything's just too immediate now you make one mistake like again I was talking about sending a dick photo how that can ruin your life because yeah. you're horny but years ago you didn't have that ability right you, like you know there was a process you'd go through you take a photo of your dick but then you had to get in the car drive it to her house you right. had moments to rethink it yeah we don't have that anymore um, if you wanted to say something 15 years ago you couldn't go on Twitter and just say it you know, I mean, yeah, you could say it to a reporter, but I'm talking about the average person, not necessarily a politician. All citizens are losing the ability 
to, to rethink it before we say it publicly or in front of a lot of people. Don't have that anymore, and we're still attacking each other and treating it like we do. Yeah. And we're all vulnerable to it. And that's why I, I attack the public. And I attack, you know, people are like, well, you should just, it's so easy to attack the NSA. That's fucking easy. Yeah, they're scumbags, they're the government, they're invasive, fuck them. But we let ourselves off the hook when we do that. You know, and it's like, hey, motherfucker, I know the difference between the government and the average paparazzi. Of course I do. But you're just as nosy. So don't sit there and fucking act like you don't understand. Yeah. You have zero respect for other people's privacy. So don't expect me to care if yours is violated. Right. You know what I mean? That's all it is. And uh, we had a weird thing the other day on the radio show where we canceled a guest. Not aggressively. The guy Kumail from uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. Because somebody pointed out on Twitter that he had said something about like, you know, they want me to stick up for a racist because it's free speech when Anthony got fired. No, he has the right to say that. He probably has no allegiance to Anthony. And, you know, he probably thought that Anthony was a racist and didn't want to stick up for him. Right. And it was a last minute decision. We literally heard about that an hour and a half before he came in. So we didn't know how to handle it. Well, like, do we cancel him? It wasn't a free speech issue. It's almost like if somebody badmouthed my friend, I don't necessarily want to promote him. Right. But I wasn't going to motherfuck the guy either because I didn't think it was anything personal. But we've done that before. You know, people are like, what are you censoring him? It's like, of course not. But we didn't have Michael Phelps's, uh, the transsexual that was outing him. Right, we right. We booked her. And then we said, you know what? Cancel it. We felt it was exploitive. And we don't want to give a voice to someone who's just outing a guy. So you got a voice. You can say what you want, but I'm not going to help you right. do what I don't like. That wasn't the case with Kamal, but it was the same thing where, where I'm, if I'm saying his name wrong, I'm sorry. It might be Kamal. Um, yeah, Kamal Nanjiani. Yeah, yeah, where it was just one of those things where we didn't want to help pr promote a guy because Anthony wasn't there. Like Anthony had just been refused entry into the building too, like two days before because Rogan was subbing for us when we were out. And it, it just felt like weird, like for Anthony to not be allowed to come on the air or to come in the building, for the company to have a problem with that, and then to have a guy, to help a guy promote who had in a way motherfucked it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I, but like I said, it wasn't an, uh, an aggressive, right. fuck this cocksucker, because I didn't feel that way. I have no ill will towards a guy. Right. Why not bring him in and... Great question. We did think of that. And, you oh, know, and I just not, not being an asshole no. to him, but why, why bring it up. Why bring it in? I, you know, we thought of that too. Like, just bring him in. And there was a part of it that was like, Ant is not here right. to address that. Um, and chances are what would have happened is he would have had a, a good explanation. Mm -hmm. I, I, we did think this through. Opie was immediately against it. Opie was like, fuck him. Like, not, you know, but I don't want to do it. Right. And my, my question was, well, should we bring him in and let him explain himself? And we talked it through. What he probably would have said is something like, look, I didn't know Anthony. I just thought it was racist. I didn't want to defend it. I didn't ask for him to get fired. And he would have had a logical explanation and then we would have helped him promote. Right. <laughs> doing that, uh, I still felt in a way was like if Anthony was here to address it, but he wasn't. He right. still wasn't allowed in the building. And maybe we handled it wrong, but it was one of those things where if we had had him come in, and he did explain it. We did talk. Half the fans would still be saying, fuck these cocksuckers, man. Ant wasn't there. He can't get right. into the building. Right. It's one of those things where yep. if you say I'm pro-choice, you've lost half the, half the country. Right. You say I'm anti-gun, you've lost half the country. I'm right. pro-death penalty, you've lost half the country. Yep. It's a no-win. But I, I, I respect people who ask that question because we did talk about that. It wasn't a censorship issue. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, if you did bring him in, you couldn't not bring it up. And if you did bring it up, Anthony's not there. So. Anthony's not there. It makes it, made, it makes sense. And I almost knew that he'd have a, a good explanation. Like, you know what I mean? Like a legit. And then I'm either a jerk off pursuing a point that he's just addressed, honestly, or then we're just having fun and helping him promote. Right. And I felt weird having fun, helping him promote, knowing that that had happened and Ant couldn't get into the building and open Ant had just snipped at each other publicly. Um, and there's a truce between them now. I just didn't want to do anything that might annoy Ant. And it came down right. to that. More than the fans, I was thinking of Anthony. Yeah. And uh, then people raised this question. Well, he allowed Gavin McGinnis on his show to bad mouth. Oh, but that was on his show in the moment. It wasn't something like that happened before. Hey, look, right. if we did it right or wrong, that was my motive in it. I'm not afraid to talk to this guy about Anthony. I, I fucking argue with anybody about Anthony. Right. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I felt in a moment that I didn't want... Uh, to do anything upset Anthony. But. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's been, you know, obviously people who listen to the show knows that, 
you know, there, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been back and forth. There's been tension, but Opie, Opie and Anthony, they're, they're okay. They're, they're okay for now. And you're um, sort of, I feel like you're sort of in the middle of, I don't of mind things. it. You know what I mean? People, you know, it's so, it's okay. It's one of those things where it's a huge thing. Yeah. It's a big radio show and, uh, a public, you know, hitting each other a little bit, but you know, these things happen. You know, I compared it to The Godfather and the Newsweek article. It's like every 10 years you get the bad blood out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a volatile radio show. Um, yeah. Ope's got his issues. Ant's got his. I certainly have mine. And when you get, those two are the main guys. When you get three personalities that are that aggressive in their thinking in the same room, the fact that there hasn't been a blow up every three months is fucking miraculous. <laughs> so I still have hopes that this show will continue someday uh, after a cooling off period. I really do. And I'm not a blind optimist either. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, some of the stuff you bring up in the special, which sure. I mean, there it's, it's things that, I mean, we're all so connected to, to the digital world, to social media. And, uh, it's I feel like it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, the Twitter, I love Twitter, but at the same time, I know deep down it makes me miserable. Sure. And there's been studies that that like just, you know, prove that. I mean, you're basically looking at people's timelines and you're looking at like the highlights of their lives. So you feel insufficient. You feel like you're not living your life as full as everybody sure. else. So you get like sad. And then the other end of it is you're seeing too many people have very easy access to, and we talk, we sort of already touched on this, but like they have access to voice their opinion very quickly. And maybe they're like really poorly thought out opinions. And, and I think it, I feel like it gives you a very distorted view of reality or a very ugly, honest one. Yeah. It depends on how you look at it. Um, Louis raised a good point about how people's immediate reaction or whatever is a lot of times you're not, you're saying the meanest shit. It's not your best face and it's probably true, but I've always complained about internet anonymity and stuff and people get confused by that. Like I'm smashing message board people or Twitter people, not because I think that they should go out and go out and get fired, but like they're saying things like I'm a guy who never wants you to get in trouble for what you say. So I support people who say things and then get in trouble for them. I support those people. If everyone supported people who got in trouble for what they said, if we lived in a culture where you weren't penalized for voicing an opinion that might suck, then internet anonymity wouldn't be needed. But I do understand it to a certain degree. Like if you're a cop and your captain's a corrupt prick, you can't go on and go, hey, I'm Officer Norton and I think that Captain McCluskey's a corrupt prick (laughs) because I'll get fired and I'm ruining my career. I do understand that some of it's needed. So I'm not a blind asshole to that stuff. But on Twitter, um, here's the, the, the upside is like you have immediate access to me and to other performers who you would never have immediate access to. So all I ask is that with this immediate access, you just use your real name. Like, what are you going to say to Jim Norton that's so devastating that you can't say it as Dylan or anybody else? Jim, I don't think you're funny. Jim, I think you stink. Right. Like, okay, um, you're not going to get fired for that. Right. You know what I mean? I might insult you back. And then if you don't want people getting on your Twitter timeline, okay, well then don't say it. Right. Like, just like me. If I insult somebody, I'm dealing, the repercussions are going to be people insult me back. Right. And then people are like, well, you know, you could say what you want because you're a comedian. I have to watch what I say. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go on, I honestly don't want to go and say horribly racist things to the president and first lady on Twitter. But if I did, I'd be fucking fired just like anybody out there. Yeah. I could criticize the president just like you can. I can say, I think Obama stinks. I think the first lady stinks. I'm not going to get in trouble for that. Right. But if I crossed a certain line of what's appropriate, I'd get my fucking ass fired. Not that I, you know, uh, and so would all of you. So in that sect, in that sense, we're all living under the same rules. Yeah. I feel like because there's so much access, uh, people need to police themselves more. Yeah. And I think, I think that is so, I think it's so difficult because it's so tempting to get on Twitter and just, you know, at reply somebody, especially somebody, you know, you know, well-known or, you know, somebody famous. And then, but you have to, you have to be okay with, with the repercussions. I did, I did Joe Rogan's podcast recently. Yeah. And I was talking about the, again, this confusion I have with people anonymously being dicks. 
and giving criticism. And I'm like, some criticism you give is good. I really do listen to it or I take it into consideration. I weigh it and I sometimes don't agree with it. But when you're just like, hey, your show sucks and you're a cunt, like, all right, I'm just going to fire back at you. Right. But I said, if you send me an email and it's just a decent email with legit criticisms of the show and you're like cordial, I'm not going to motherfuck you. I got a couple of hundred emails. I'm not exaggerating. Rogan's podcast blows you up. Two of them had negative criticisms in it. And I'm not saying that to the point of that's how great our show is. There's a lot of people that don't like it. I'm saying is fuck you motherfuckers because I asked you to do it and I would respond to you and the couple of people that did that I read I did get back to one of them right before I got on a plane I didn't motherfuck him and he wasn't a dick to me right he's like I don't think Opie's good at this I don't think you're good at this okay (laughs) I responded right but it wasn't a Jim you're a piece of shit so I actually gave him a cordial answer sure sure so and I, I read what he said some was right some was wrong but uh, don't hide behind that bullshit that we can't handle criticism just because we call you out for wanting to hide behind a screen door and yell curses as somebody walks by and then duck before they can address you. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. 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 It's uh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just I, I don't know, and uh, it's it's complicated, and I think people, yeah. I think people really need to. I think people need to be more responsible, and I and I think a lot of people are not you know, willing to do that. Um, uh, you know, in your special, you talk about, I mean, and this I know is, is, uh, something that you, you've talked about a lot, which is this, um, you know, this, this fake, this fake outrage and, and everything is, you know, you make a comment, you know, I was on, I was on, you know, I was on Facebook the other day and a trend I've, I've been, I've been seeing, um, and it goes in ebbs and flows, I guess, but like is, you know, when a, when a man criticizes a woman, there's, I feel like there's a lot of women, not all, not all, sure, but there's a lot of women who automatically jump to sexism sure. where it's like a guy is not allowed to criticize and the guy might be a complete jerk off and he might say something really foul and really shitty and really hurtful but it has nothing to do with sexism and the first response is like oh it's okay for guys to you know talk to women uh, you know like this or you know talk to women uh, you know being sexist and like i feel like it hurts it hurts the cause because if i facebook you and i'm a guy and you're a girl and i say you're terrible or like, you know, I, I hate your face or whatever, whatever stupid thing I come up with. Like, that's not, why am I sexist? Like, I'm not sexist. Maybe I'm just a fucking asshole. You know, it's like, it, I agree with you. And it's frustrated me too. Like, because if you talk about race, you're a racist. If right. you talk about gay people, you're a homophobe. Yeah, it's for any ism, any ism. Yeah. And here's, it's a two, it's a kind of, I think it's a two, twofold thing. Part of it is we have brought this on ourselves because a lot of people are legitimately reacting to a tremendous history of homophobia, racism, sexism. That's not a made-up thing. Um, You know, it's been going on for so long. So part of it is, like, we've taught people to react that way because they've been subjected to that treatment. And then there's the line they cross where now it's just an excuse and you're using that. But sexism and racism and homophobia still exist. So, like, it's it's like a really fucking weird gray area. But it's those times where you know it's not racist, you know it's not sexist or homophobic. Why do they react that? A, sometimes they think they fucking misinterpret it. And B, other times, like all of us, they just want to win the argument. So they grab the thing that they can use, which is sexism or homophobia or racism. And it's bullshit. And that is what I think hurts the cause. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to be careful uh, about, you know, throwing, you know, throwing these 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 terms around because but we all do it you know how we do it you know how i do it as a white guy i'm guilty of it too because whenever i hear like i did a show last night which i actually enjoyed very much called white guy talk show on mm. uh, fuse yeah and it was a guy and a girl a mexican girl and i think a latin guy or an indian guy and it was re- it's one of the most fun talk shows i've done but I, when i saw the name of it white guy talk show my first thought is oh good try having black guy talk show right yeah right because i'm a white guy it's like fucking okay great like that's the first thing I thought of was I made it about me and what I couldn't do. So I guess that's a human instinct. And I'm really happy I went on the show because it was so much fun. But my initial knee jerk reaction to myself 
was one that made it about me. Right. And one that made it about what Jim Norton couldn't do as a white guy. Like, I put myself in the position of, look what I can't do and you can. So I think we're all guilty of that when we have a reason to, to do it or we think we have a reason to feel that way. Yeah. No, I'm proud true. to admit that either. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, what, I mean... <sighs> You know, as an outsider looking looking at the new special, I mean, I you know, I kind of gave you my sort of summary of of the tone of it. It's it's topical, but it's it's still it's very Jim Norton. How how would you explain your sort of evolution, like from twenty years ago? Like where where are you at? Like how do you feel about your 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 comedy now? I like it because um, I know I can be really dirty. Uh, for as long as I want to be. Yeah. And, there and this special, by the way, is not not especially dirty. No, um, and, but I didn't set out to make it clean. It's not clean. I mean, no, there's it's, some dirty moments. No, it's not clean. I talk about coming on myself in the Cosby show. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I feel like I don't, uh, I just do what I like now. I'm more confident. The pace in this is slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, my energy is a little bit lower. But again, it just was more comfortable to talk that way, more conversational. Is I want people to laugh. I always want you guys to laugh. Of course I do. I'm a fucking comedian. But I am less inclined to worry about, oh my God, everyone's not going to like it. Because I know that everyone's not going to like it. Because on Monster Rain, which was my first special, yeah. I, I, there's, uh, it's got a little over a million views now on YouTube. Um, of the likes and dislikes, it's got like three or 4,000 likes, almost 1,000 dislikes. No matter what I do... People is like, oh, he says dick and fuck too much because he thinks it's shocking. And then if you do this, people go, oh, he's too topical. He's not dirty anymore. Where's the tranny jokes? Too many tranny jokes. Who right. do you think he is, Carlin? Not at all. <laughs> I just enjoy doing topical material. I don't talk like Carlin. I don't use voice inflection. Carlin used a tremendous amount of, you know, did you ever notice why? Yeah. yeah. You know, Carlin was very animated prior very animated. Um, I don't. La- I smile a little bit. Pryor laughed a lot on stage. I don't laugh a lot on stage. You know, everyone has their little quirks as comedians. I have zero desire to be Carlin or Pryor because I'm not. I really am not arrogant enough to think I can do what they do. Right. They influence me in the sense that I love what they do, and I want to do what makes me feel good. And this is the stuff that makes me feel good. I don't really care if people agree with it. like I, I i defended anthony in my special yep um as much as a lot of ona fans are like oh so what you're supposed to be. the culture of the business i'm in you know you guys that think i sold out anthony you dummies do you understand the culture of the business i'm in is not pro anthony the culture of the business i'm in yeah. is to go anthony is a fucking terrible person and he deserves to be ostracized that's the smart showbiz angle to take yep um, is to find a reason why what he said is divisive and wrong and he shouldn't have done it and to make a comedic bit out of that. That's the smarter showbiz angle to take. Um, I feel good about the angle I took. I was very sincere. Yeah, and, and you still you took, you took some like playful shots at him. Like it wasn't, yes. it wasn't like, okay, here's the part of the show where I'm playing Anthony's publicist. Right, yeah, absolutely. And Anthony loved it. Like, you made fun of him. Of course I did. But with love, and and, Anthony and I, and people who watch that know my relationship with Anthony. We're very close. And I make fun of him in the way that you make fun of a friend. Like, I referenced Bob Kelly. Yeah, you called him a sack of shit or something. A piece of shit. A piece of shit. But it was with love. (laughs) And and the reason I did it was because I'm talking about Bob walking around with me on his iPhone, humiliating me by playing my clip with Ozzy, going, this fucking Jim Norton dude doesn't even know who he is. (laughs) But everyone knows my relationship with Bobby, and that's how we talk to each other. Anthony, um, I make fun of, like, you know, I saying he has a volatile personality, and some of the tweets I wouldn't have, uh, you know. Right. Uh, dumb but Anthony saw that bit he was at the broker I did that bit in front of him and he goes I fucking loved it it was like a roast but uh, like you said it was playful and uh, the point was that uh, the press is disgusting and they took the wrong angle on my friend and they crucified him when he behaved nonviolently. Yeah. and to me they were the they were even I, I don't agree with Sirius firing him I think they stink for firing him but I really do have more rage at the press 
because these are these corporate lawyer types in a company always suck. They're never good in any company, whether it's Sirius or CBS. They're fucking panicky and awful. Yeah. But the press, the angle they take of they don't even look at the fact that he didn't fucking knock this bitch's teeth out. And yeah. she was an awful woman. She fucking sucked. She behaved like a fucking, you know, a street thug punching him in the face because he took a picture. Yeah. And he sent me pictures of his face. He was telling the truth. Um, he just didn't address it politely. Right. And um, fuck the press. I mean, to me, they're the biggest villains, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, again, that comes back to, uh, you know, your line about us not being able uh, to, to pause. Um because that takes that takes time and energy to kind of learn the nuances of that situation. Yeah, uh, we have the tweets, and that's you know that's going to get clicks. And a lot of that, I mean, not to get too esoteric about everything, but a lot of it has to do with you know digital publishing. You know, today, which sure. is everything is click based. Yep. So, the press has a job to do. Yeah, and it sucks. It sucks. Uh, I'm sure half the people writing those stories are like, you know, their ass is clenched because they don't feel super great about writing them, but they know crucifying Anthony is going to get a tremendous amount of clicks, and it's it it's a problem. But I'm okay with that if they admitted it. Like yeah. I'm okay with them fucking saying like, hey man, we got to do this, but they don't do that. Like they still come off like they're fucking Walter Cronkite. Yeah, and it's like you're not, you're not just throwing it under the bus and going, look at this douchebag. You're taking like a righteous angle on it, and that's right. what fucking bugs me, man. Is is it that Washington that bitch that fucking wrote that op ed for the Washington Post? I I really hope she slips in a pile of shit and it goes in her mouth. <laughs> Because, you know, a lot of the press was, was unfair to him, but I thought she was particularly disgusting yeah. uh, in her unfairness to, to fucking aid the sea. And look, he's a flawed person, and he'll tell you he's a flawed person. Right. He doesn't pretend to be a fucking perfect guy any more than I do or any of these dumb comedian friends of mine do. Right. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think part of the problem is we, we are defining people based on one thing yeah. or two things you know if a person is made up of 25 things let's say we're defining them on two things and it's so dangerous and with with social media and uh, with everything digitized now it's so easy it's so easy to do that and it's and it's dangerous no one cares about nuance anymore well when i miss got fired i hate to keep bringing it back to that he was doing a uh, a charity for children's cancer yeah. week so his actions were, he's raising fucking a couple of million dollars for children's cancer. Right. But he said nappy-headed hoes. And those cocksuckers at CBS fired him that week. These fucking pieces of shit. These lawyer scumbags buckle to the pressure and fire a guy. I'm not saying because you raise money for cancer that you're unfireable. Right. But that week, like, ugh. Just, that's, that's what we are in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. They they saw ad they saw ad revenue disappear. You know, in the future, they said, I guess if we keep him here, we're going to lose money, and yeah, and and that was it. But there's probably other ways you can handle that. You know, yeah. like I don't know, and maybe it, maybe those other ways are bullshit too, like a suspension or you know a firmly written letter or uh, something. Who's that Brit McHenry? It would be great for punishment or she had to send an Instagram photo of her ass and cunt lips. Wouldn't that be a... a, a, (laughs) You have to tweet a photo of your cunt lips, madam. I mean... I know I said cunt lips. It's so vulgar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't... I I don't know. And the point point you made about Donald Sterling, too... um, on your special I think is is an important one too and by the way I keep you know for people listening I keep bringing up that these Jim's bringing up important things but like this special is funny it's just uh, after I mean I've been watching so much comedy and watching so much comedy for like a decade that I mean for me to really get something out of out of a stand-up comedy performance I, I want I want a layered uh, experience right. like yes I want to laugh but I want to come out of it you know either feeling affirmed in my beliefs or challenged in my beliefs or whatever so there's a lot of that going on uh, in the special but the Donald Sterling thing I think is a really great example 
Like, is he a piece of shit? I don't know, probably. But should he have been fired for, you know, saying horrible shit in his in his home? Like, it's that's really dangerous. It's dangerous, and yet people are all for it. Like, I got why. Look, if I was black, I wouldn't want to play for that fucking... Because he doesn't have a plantation owner fucking mentality. Right. But, uh, yeah, people are fine with it. People are fine with a guy losing a billion-dollar franchise... Because he's shitty in the house. Yeah. Not even domestic violence-wise, where how many fucking players are arrested for domestic violence or uh, go to jail for drunk driving or arrested for drunk driving? This guy just said shitty stuff. So the, the whole culture is kind of fake when it comes to like our... We're inconsistent, and that's kind of... Uh, how do you take it seriously when it's so inconsistent? Like, how do you respect people's moral lines when it's just such a fucking changing thing? It's like, what do you want comedians to do? Yeah, I respect that you feel that way. When you look at the other thing you feel and it's a total lie. It's yeah. garbage. Yeah. It's depressing. It is a little depressing. But you know what? <laughs> Here's what's not depressing. The fact that I'm trying not to get prostitutes anymore. I'm really trying. It's, really? But dude, it's very hard. Why, why are you trying to not get prostitutes? Not jerking off anymore because it's all consuming and I can't. I, I, it literally is, is taking me away from being connected to people at all. Like uh, I'm trying to, and, and I've been doing a little dirty texting lately. I'm falling back into that. But, uh, you know, again, I haven't jerked off. I haven't paid anybody. No massages. Not the massages are bad. I get plenty of legit massages. They're okay, too. I'm just trying to give myself a break. But, man, you don't realize how much of a part of your life that is until you're not doing it. It's all day, every day, just texting, intriguing, getting ready. That's my whole life is built around doing that. And it's fucking, it just becomes like nothing else. Right. You feel nothing else. And how, how long have you been weaning yourself off? I've tried it before. I'm like 12 days in now from just, this is from like even masturbation. That's a hard one too. Cause I use that to just zone out and yeah. Why is this like advice from a therapist or is this just, Oh man, I always knew I needed to do it. I needed to, cause it becomes, it's like smoking. It's a part of who you are and you think it defines you and it doesn't define me. Like, you know, I, I just don't always want it to be this blocker of relationships. I'm like, I'm 46. I want to have a, a better relationship. Like mm-hmm. even girls that I didn't cheat on. I have dated girls who I wasn't fucking around on, but I was still not emotionally there because I was either dirty texting with someone else or mm-hmm. I was just watching so much porn yeah. or I was just jerking off. Even if it wasn't about another girl, even if I was just watching porn and zoning out, my um, fucking getting that th- stupid thousand yard marine yeah, stare. the porn stare, yeah. Yeah, fucking, my breathing was weird, you know. It's just too much, man. I get, it's got to stop. So even 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 masturbating, that's for a while. That may come back. For I mean that that seems extreme though. Not but not the way I was doing it. Dude. I was doing it all day on and off. Like I would stop and start and stop and start. It became a drug. It wasn't like hey I'm horny. Like the other night I was feeling it. Like last night I was dirty texting, um, and I'm feeling this overwhelming urge to really act out. Mm-hmm. But the urge wasn't in my dick. It wasn't like I got this powerful erection I need to take. Right. Care of. That's fine. It was in my stomach and in my chest. Yeah. It wasn't about feeling horny. It was about feeling fucking uh, hungry for something. Right. Had nothing to do with but my But I mean, isn't, that's, yeah, that's 90% of sex, though. I mean, like, you watch these, like, these, like, sitcoms where, like, they have the, like, the dopey, um, like, the dopey husband who's like, oh, I need sex, I need sex. Like, and they want to have sex with their wife. Like that I never under Like not that I don't I'm, I am married And I enjoy sex with my wife But like that That urge Like I never understood Like that to me Is just a purely physical urge Like you have an erection And you need to ejaculate Right To me like 90% of it is What you're talking about Like Yeah I guess so But for me There's so much more of it Is not the physical That it's unhealthy Like So much of it is scenario And then not even acting On the physical Like so much of it Is just the idea Of talking and intriguing Right It's not like I want it To lead to sex I'm using it as a drug And anytime Because look I'm not saying You're a sex addict Just because you're a little dirty I get that Right Because you want to get tied up And you want your wife To fucking lick your ass Or whatever Ooh (laughs) But it's when you do it All day and you, and you don't and it becomes this thing you use when you're feeling scared or hungry or whatever it's just unhealthy it's right. like anything else it's great when you're using it for the right reasons right have you been replacing those things with 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 other things i've or? been so busy with press it's helped right but um 
you know, again, a little dirty talk or whatever, but I'm trying to read more. I'm still not focused enough. I'm watching like Netflix, just trying to do other things. I picked up the phone a few times and called people as opposed to texting them. Right. But like, you know, all last week and this week is going to be a little bit easier because I'm so fucking busy. Right. I had a girl text me recently about a massage that I was, I, I wasn't available. Like I wanted to see her too, but I had too much press and I'm happy I wasn't available. Right. Because I like her. She's amazing and sexy, but I'm like, I don't need to be turned on. Uh, thinking about that stuff while right. trying to detox. So this is a this is someone that you've you've gotten massages from before. Long time ago, yeah. Right. Pardon me for you. I still not sleeping. That's okay. Um. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's intense. It's very hard, man. It's very hard. I'm not afraid I won't be funny anymore. I think I'll be funnier because again, there's this block I have, and and people who don't act out on it don't understand it. But I don't feel connected. Uh, and people who listen to a lot of the podcasts I've done recently, I've talked about this. I'm sorry if I talk about the same stuff. But when you're in the same press tour for like, you know, the same two weeks, what do you want me to do? Have fucking eight different hours of subjects I talk about? I'm yeah. not jerking off. How am I not going to talk about that? Right. I'm trying not to. But I just, I don't feel connected to any moment. I feel like I'm looking at every moment in. The only time I really feel connected is on the radio. Sometimes on stage too. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's intense. And you're not you're not dating anyone now. No, I've gone out on a few dates. I've gone out on a lot of dinner dates. And I don't even know if I'm supposed to be doing that while I'm going through this period. But I have, and uh, nothing has happened. I went out with a girl for dinner recently. I don't even know if it was a date. It might have been more like a friendship thing. And uh, we hung out and had dinner and hugged goodbye. There was nothing sexual about it at all, which was kind of nice. You know, she's a friend. And I think she's cute. But you know, I've had that with a few different girls. We've literally just ate. And maybe a kiss at the end, maybe not. Right. And um, I've actually been doing that for the last few months, and it's been really nice. You know, you just hang with somebody as a person. Yeah. Do you fear that, you know, once you start, do you fear you're going to get different urges if, if you don't kind of give into the urges you're usually giving into? I don't know. I think I'm sober long enough, and my eating habits are decent enough, or hopefully I won't just replace one with the other. But a lot of the depression, I think, I feel it comes because of that. I feel outside. I feel different, unconnected. Even though I talk about my stuff, there's still a shame with it and a guilt with it, you know, like, because you're still not, it's, it's a lack of connection that I feel. Yeah. And I know that that's blocking me. Um, so I, I want to not be depressed. You know, and I'm like, I live in a great apartment. I have great friends and I have a very lucky life. And I, I've worked for it and I'm, I don't feel guilty about any of it because I really do work hard. And, yeah. I like, and I'm saying that because it's not the aw shucks thing. Like, I don't know how I got here, guys. Right. I'm very lucky in yeah. that I've been blessed to do what I want to do. Uh, the old saying, faith moves mountains, but bring a shovel. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I've, I also feel like I've showed up and I've, I've really tried, you know. But I don't appreciate it sometimes. Like, I literally have sat in my apartment a hundred times and, and thought about hanging myself. And I'm like, I really want to do that. And I know that it's irrational. And I know that it's selfish. And I know that there'd be very little empathy for me in the paper. I know that. My fans would go, you fuck you, Jim. You cunt. You have, you, you lived your dream. Yeah. You got to meet the people you loved. You got to meet Ozzy. You got to meet Richard Pryor. Yeah. You got to perform with Colin and all your friends and Bobby and you knew Patrice and Opie and Anthony and the Dice. You've had this amazing life. You know, you fucked a few girls. Like, oh, fuck yourself. And then I'm here with this wife and two kids and a job I hate and you right. hang yourself. You're a shit. Yeah. So I knew that there'd be that feeling and they'd be right. I knew those people to have that feeling towards me would be right. So I kind of think like, why am I feeling this way? It's not rational. I, mean, I have everything I've ever wanted. That's how depression works. Yeah. Like that's, people don't understand depression. Like I, I hate, you know, when people talk about Robin Williams, like why did he do that? Or Kurt Cobain, why did he do that? Like, like you, you just don't get it. But I do think, because I'm in the, I have it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm questioning myself the way the outside people will question me if I do that. I think people who have depression have to stop and be rational at times, even though I know it's a mental thing and it's a chemical thing. It's not a question of character. But I, I, I speak about it because I felt it. So I don't feel any, any like I'm going to say the wrong thing because no one can tell me. Um, and I have been had overwhelming desires. That's why I don't own a gun because I'm, I'm afraid I'd commit suicide. I know I would. I mean, it's not, and it's not that I'm Mr. Dramatic, but that only takes one moment. Yeah. Like, I'm sure Robin Williams, before he hung himself, had a thousand moments that he thought of it. 
That yeah. was the one where he did it. Right. That's the other thing that I found infuriating when people were opining about like why he did it. And like, and I've told people, I'm like, dude, like, do you think that's the first, like he probably almost killed himself 300 times during his sure. life. Sure. And it's the one time that you can't stop yourself or you can't find a reason not to. So with something like that, I think people with depression, the responsibility that we have is, and again, I'm not saying I have it as chronic as Cobain did or Robin did. Um, I think Robin had relapsed at one point too, which yeah. probably contributed to it. Yeah, he did. That's a big thing. Cobain was actively doing heroin. I think you know yeah. that's a big part of that shit, man. Um, is we have a responsibility to say to ourselves, "What am I fucking? What is really going on with me?" Because physically, I have everything. I've been given a lot of gifts. Um, why am I so ungrateful? Why am I not able to be grateful to the point where I can get through this? Is it just chemical? Do I need medic? You know what I mean? It's almost like people say, make a gratitude list. And I'm not saying that's the answer to chronically fucking manically depressed people. Right. But there really are a lot of things that I don't do right. There's, you know, I'm still acting out sexually. I haven't tried everything. Um, I don't go to enough meetings. You know, I don't help enough people in my sobriety. I haven't done everything I can do. So if I was to hang myself tomorrow, there's a lot of validity to fuck Jim Norton. He took the easy way out. Yeah. Because I can't stand in front of you honestly and go, I did everything I could do, and yet I am still at this place. Um, I did half of what I could do. You know, and maybe the other half is what would have saved me. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, dude, you're still acting out all the time and you're feeling depressed, well, that's why. Oh, that's a piece of it. I know it's a piece of it um, because it's not the physical stuff. Like, you know, the apartment and, the, and, the, and, and the, the job and all the things you think will save you don't. So in that way, I can understand why Robin Williams did it because he had what I had times 100. Yeah. You know, he's an Oscar winner. He's a fucking, you know, a comic genius with $100 million. And, you know, he, again, he had it to the umph degree of fame. But that doesn't save you. No. Because a guy who drives a truck for a living and uh, doesn't want to drive a truck for a living, who's paying half his money in uh, alimony, will look at someone who's a comedian having fun and go, how can you not be grateful for what you have? Right. How can you still feel that way? So um, there's validity to that question. And I think a lot of it is I have not done all I can do to not feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, I could talk about this shit all, all day, depression and whatnot. Uh, well, I just think that there's a, there's the instinct people have, like when Henry Rollins, and I know you're wrapping up, but when Henry Rollins, no, 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 I, when Henry Rollins said that Rob Williams was selfish, yeah, see, I thought it was a fair point, even though it might not have been said well. See, I, I think it's a fair question. I think it's, I think it's a fair question, but I think it's a really dumb down thing to think um, because he didn't want to kill himself there's something there's definitely chemicals in play there's sure. I just think it's I think it's a very simplistic way to think about depression yeah I mean that's a point too but I'll tell you I do think and I'm sure he did too but when I've thought about doing things like that and again like he did I've thought of my family and the other things but the part that very rarely have i seen people chemical imbalance or not yeah who have done the truly the right things being sober whatever whatever the right thing is for them and still gone through with it i'm not saying never but rarely um I can only go by my own. I, I thought the question was fair because then people attacked him and he said he was sorry, but he didn't have to say he was sorry because when a guy does that, for us to go like, wasn't that kind of fucking selfish? He has children who have to live with the fact that their father couldn't save him. Okay, fair question. Um, is it, maybe Robin wasn't selfish. Do you, I'm not saying he was. Yeah. But the question, is just the fact that you broach the question, people yeah. come after you and go, oh, that wasn't polite. Right. But he doesn't have to. The guy's the lead singer of Black Flag. His job is not to be fucking polite. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're so afraid to to eggshell walk, and we ask the wrong questions. And uh, I mean, I, I I think it's a fair question. You're, you're, it's it's true. It's a fa it's a fair question. Uh, it's like when people claim insanity when they kill someone they didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, like, you know who I think was completely insane? Andrea Yates. Because she drowned her kids in the tub. And then she called the cops and her husband and said, I drowned the kids in the tub. She was a crazy fucking bitch. 
she didn't find a way out of it. Right. But a lot of people will claim insanity, and then uh, I didn't know what I was doing. When you question somebody's sanity, yeah. in the case of an insanity defense, sometimes they're legitimately nuts, and other times they're not. But I don't think saying, well, are you really crazy, is an unfair question. Just like when someone commits suicide, saying, like, was that a selfish act? Um, if you prejudge it and go, fuck you, you're selfish, well, that's a little shitty. Yeah. But I think the question itself is is okay to ask, and sometimes the answer will be yes, and sometimes the answer will be like, no, the person was in too much pain and chemically fucked up and couldn't get beyond it. Yeah. But I, I just, it's just this knee-jerk reaction we have today to attack people who say the wrong thing or who ask a question wrong instead of realizing, ah, the question wasn't a bad question. We got to get beyond the emotion. You know, maybe that was fair. And I'm saying that as somebody who's wanted to fucking off myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Believe me. After, uh, you know, I've done a lot of things where I've actually, you know, I've put a belt around my neck. I felt that uh, just to see if I could do it. And, uh, you know, I couldn't, obviously. But I wanted to see what it felt like. And I wanted to see, like, could I fucking... You know, I've had a lot of things happen where my first instinct is you are a worthless piece of shit and you should just do this just to punish yourself for being so worthless. Right. And it's not rational. I know it's not rational. Right. But that's where it's really, it's really, it's hard to not play that tape, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And is that, I mean, do you feel that currently or like, you know, the time you put a belt around your neck, is that way in the past or is that like... It's, you know, not that far in the past. And again, I knew I wasn't going to do anything. Right. It wasn't for attention. I was alone. Right. But I'm talking about it in hindsight to go, like, I do understand the desire just to do that and see if you could. Yeah. Could you possibly, um, you know, or it's just to punish yourself because you're thinking of doing it. And if you happen to fall asleep that way, you go. But you just can't fall asleep that way. You got to be pretty committed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why part of the reason people cut themselves uh, so they can stop it? Well, no. Or do you think he's committed? No, because I'd, I think for punishment. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think for punishment or, you know, just to feel something. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. So, all right, Jim, we will we'll stop there. But That was fun. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate you talking to me. Uh, great, letting man. me into your home. Sure. And uh, opening up a little bit. No, it was great. I, I appreciate it. Fun talk, man. You're really good. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. So I hope people like the special, man. It's good. Tune in. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Norton on the Laugh Spin podcast. Remember, tune in to Jim's new special on Epic's Friday, April 24th at 10 p.m. It's called Contextually Inadequate. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, go to laughspin.com. If you want to email me, by all means do so. I'm at Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, at laughspin.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.